are you in full-time ministry? And that could be any kind of ministry. That could be like, uh, you might be in full-time business or full-time education or entertainment or educate. I, I don't know, like, but, but you are, you have a full-time job. You see yourself as a minister. You are revealing the kingdom of heaven on the earth. Um, maybe you might even be in full-time church ministry, but you know that the pace that you're running right now isn't sustainable. Like, you know, you're like a fuse burning on both ends and you're on the fast track to burnout. Or are you like, man, forget that. I ain't no minister. I ain't ever going to be a minister. I'm just doing my thing and I want nothing to do with ministry because all the cats that I've seen that have been running around trying to do, trying to integrate ministry and family and ministry and business and ministry and church, like all, all the models of ministry that I've seen modeled have been like unhealthy and just discouraging and depressing. So forget that fooey on that. I don't want anything to do with that. If, if you are in either one of those categories, um, this is the podcast for you because today we're going to be talking about how to avoid committing ministry suicide. And we're also going to be looking at the invitation for every believer to step in and engage in this place of being a healthy, inspiring minister slash leader. It's all going down right here, right now on the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. Welcome to the Supernaturalist Podcast Show, where emerging revivalists and extraordinary leaders share inspirational experiences that will help take you to a higher level. Now here's your host, Darren Stott. Hey guys, if we haven't met yet, my name is Darren Stott, lead pastor of a church called Seattle Revival Center, author of a book called Pattern Interrupt, Pick Yours Up on Amazon, and founder of Supernaturalist Ministries. You can check out my website. It's my name. It's darrenstott.com. Today's episode is brought to you by supernaturalparents.com. This is 12 tips for supernatural parenting to help equip you with the with the tools you need to raise up some little supernaturalists that are loving Jesus, worshiping Jesus, and engaging with the things of heaven. So it's HD, it's free, that's my gift to you at supernaturalparents.com. Go and uh, check that out. Now, the purpose of this podcast is uh, to create a conversation that equips, connects, and promotes emerging supernaturalists on a global level. So that's why we're here and you're listening to it. It's the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. And today we're going to be talking about um, how not to commit ministry suicide. So uh, my question for you is, Is have you ever seen a particular ministry or minister um, that wasn't exactly inspiring? In fact, it was somewhat discouraging and it left you at a place where you were like, I never want anything to do with um, ministry. <laughs> so um, if that's you, uh, then I'll be chatting um, with you as well as for those of you that are actually in ministry, um, that might be in business ministry, marketplace ministry, or full-time church ministry. Um, I think this podcast will be really good because we're going to be talking about the five Ps and these are going to be like some preventative measures that you can begin to plug in that will help ensure that you hopefully finish well so that you run your race, you're around a while, um, and your ministry style methodology is inspiring and not full-on depressing. So that's where we're going um, on this episode uh, today, how not to commit um, ministry suicide. Now, when it comes to full-time church ministry, uh, it's not so easy right now. I, I'm not sure if you guys have seen um, the stats on this, but there's somewhere between eight to 10,000 
churches that close every year in the U.S. In fact, more than half of all the churches in the USA are not growing at all, okay? And um, there are over 3 million previous churchgoers in the United States who every year join the ranks of the, and I quote, religiously unaffiliated. Those who are claiming to be Christian are going down 1% each year because they're actually changing their religious affiliation. And, and, and this stat does not include loss of life. Okay. So it's not just that people are, it's just not that all the Christians are dying. It's that Christians are actually making the deliberate decision to leave their faith in Christ Jesus alone um, uh, uh, for their eternal security. So, yep, church ministry world is an interesting world right now. But not only that, but I know that many of you are engaging in ministry, whether you're in business or you're in the marketplace. Um, But many of you, you have a worldview that states that you are a full-time minister uh, no matter where you're at. And that is awesome. That's actually where I want to begin because a lot of people say, I'm not a minister. I haven't been called to ministry. And I think in the time that we're actually living, that that it's time for every believer to see themselves as a minister. In our generation right now, we need to begin acknowledging the importance of ministers and ministry across the fabric of our culture And we need to begin honestly addressing the lies and the unhealthy aspects that have traditionally existed in ministry. So that's actually where we're going right now. Now, I'll I'll tell you right off the bat, um, when the Lord started speaking to me about full-time ministry in the context of church world, I wasn't open to it. Um, as many of you already know, I had a lot of defeater beliefs when it came to ministry. You know, I, I believe that uh, pastoral ministry was one of those particular ministries where you didn't necessarily have any sort of boundaries. You were always available to people. You were never really appreciated and most likely underpaid. <laughs> so it's like, who, who'd, who'd want to do that, right? Like, not, not me. In fact, I had this, this lie that I had believed, and I didn't even know it was necessarily a lie, but I had believed this lie that if that if I uh, went into ministry, it'd be just a matter of time until ministry killed me, right? Or that perhaps God killed me or my family through ministry. And whenever I would argue with the Lord regarding my call, uh, the Lord would always speak to me and be like, Darren, you don't trust me. And I'd be like, yeah, you're right. I don't. So that was a journey, and I'm not going to get into that whole story right now as far as that process of learning um, to trust the Lord. But I will say that growing up, I did observe quite a few different ministry models that were not exactly encouraging, nor were they inspiring, which is why when I went to Indonesia, when I was um, 22, I believe, I, I, I think it was 22 when I went to Indonesia, and I began observing these different pastors and their families that were doing really cool stuff. They were doing cool stuff together as a family, and their churches were doing amazing things. There was this passion and this excitement that I had never necessarily really observed before, and it was so inspiring that I thought, wow, I want to be a part of this. I want to, I want to be like this. I want to do this kind of thing, and ever since that that point, 
I've, I've engaged with ministry in the kind of way where I want to model something so that when my children look at me or, 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 or people in our church look at me or young people in our church look at me, they say, wow, that looks like the most incredible job in the world. When I grow up, I would love to do that. Not that there's going to be any sort of pressure on our kids to have to go into ministry by no means, but at the same time, um, I don't want to live my life in such a way where where life looks like such a tedious sacrifice that my kids say that there's no way I will never do that. I just don't think um, I just don't think that that's what ministry ought to look like. And so, first of all, right off the bat statistics say that within the church world, thousands and thousands and thousands of of pastors are leaving the ministry because they're just straight up burnt out. Um, uh, Thousands and thousands and thousands of churches are shutting down and millions of people are denying their faith and turning away um, from Christ Jesus. And, And a part of this is because of dysfunctional, unhealthy leadership. So this is why I think it's so important that we talk about this uh, today. And so today we're going to be talking about the five P's of ministry and how to avoid committing ministry suicide. So first of all, just declare this over yourself. Just say, I am. You're like, what am I about to say? I, I don't know. But just, just, just declare this. I am a minister. Good, good. There you said it. And you are either a healthy minister or an unhealthy minister. So let's just declare this. I am a healthy, inspirational minister. Okay? And so I think that's just a great starting point. So the five Ps. Number one, pace yourself. Okay? Now when I say pace yourself, what I mean is that you need to see that you're in this thing for a while. Like it needs to be a goal that you're going to be on the earth for a while. If you're one of these guys that's like, um, look, I'm unhealthy, I'm unhappy, and I'm probably going to die tomorrow, then <laughs> then please don't call yourself a full-time minister, <laughs> right? Um, if, if you're running with Jesus, then you need to be running well and you need to plan on being around a little while. When I first joined pastoral ministry, I my, my long-term goal was to be around a while, but I was running as though I was only going to be in ministry for about three years. I came underneath this pressure where I felt like I needed to have a tangible testimony each and every day. I remember beating myself up sometimes when I felt like a life wasn't changed that particular day because of me. So I was hitting the pavement. I was hitting the streets, knocking on doors, handing out business cards, randomly calling people up in the church directory to give a prophetic word. Like it was it was crazy and it wasn't sustainable. And, um, and the thing about that was, is that, um, is that I was practicing the kind of ministry that was very task driven. So yep, sure. There were lives being changed. Sure. There were people being saved, but all the aspects of ministry were, were taking place through me. So I was doing, um, level one hands-on ministry. The problem with that is that I wasn't using my energy, my efforts, my talents, my abilities, my leadership to mentor others. So as long as I was out doing the stuff, you know, as I was going out and creating all these testimonies, I was doing a great disservice to our own church community 
in that, there was a whole church community and a whole group of leaders that needed my leadership and they weren't getting it because essentially I was doing level one task-oriented ministry where um, I wasn't leading leaders who were leading leaders who were changing the world. I was trying to single-handedly change the world and I was on the fast track to burnout. Eventually, the Lord came to me and he was like, what are you doing? (laughs) This isn't sustainable. Like who told you that you personally have to have a testimony each and every day. Like, who told you that? And I realized that what I was doing was essentially I was I was I was burning myself at both ends. I was on the fast track to burnout. Um and I was doing it because it was performance-based ministry. I was finding my value based off of the testimonies that I was creating. And 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 I realized that if I want to be around for the next 40 years, I was going to have to figure out a new methodology for ministry. So my new methodology for ministry, and really it has to be this way, is I'm no longer necessarily a, a pastor and that I'm a shepherd I'm looking after or micromanaging sheep. Nope. I am, and this is going to be totally offensive, but I'm more like a rancher. I'm a leader who's leading leaders who are leading leaders who are changing the world. And um, this means that I believe that I have the honor of actually pastoring leaders, that Seattle Revival Center is not a church really of sheep or cattle. Seattle Revival Center is a church com- comprised of leaders, uh, commanders and generals. And I love what Graham Cook said when he was at our at our church years ago. He said, there are no privates here. And and that really is the truth. And that's that's really what I see uh, and being where, where, where I am. And that means that sure, I get to go out and do ministry. And sure, I get to go out and actually minister to our people. And sure, I get opportunities to counsel and do one-on-one type stuff. But the majority of my time and this is so unfun. This is so uncool. Okay. The majority of my time is meetings, very important meetings, meeting with very important people. And these are the leaders that I'm doing life with. And, and for every one leader that I'm meeting with, they represent probably around 70 people in the church. Because as you know, a pastor can only really pastor around 70 people. And so for each of the leaders that I'm leading, they are representing at least around 70 people within our church. And so I know that as I serve my leadership team, that our church is being served. Number two, play more. So that the play is the second piece. So the first one is pace yourself. Number two, play. And I think this is so important because for a lot of people, ministry is so like rigorous. It's so like task driven, like we were talking about before. And that we 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 can kind of take on this very militant um, ministry angst that can really drive us to the point where we can actually become very unpleasant. Have you ever known like an unpleasant minister? Like have you ever known somebody that just seemed like they were very unhappy while going around quoting scripture verses like the joy of the Lord is our strength? Um, I think that Jesus had a playfulness about him. I think that there's something about our Heavenly Father that's very playful and fun. And I think that ministers should have fun as a core value. So play is the second P. And what I think is that you actually need to schedule your fun. And if you are in full-time ministry within a church context, that you would actually um, make this a core value within your own organization, that you have like play dates, like that you have times when you guys are just going out for lunch, that you're going out for breakfast, that you have these opportunities not to be religious, but just to be you, right? 
Um, and if you're in full-time ministry within a business context, within a leadership role where you can also create this culture, I would encourage you to do the same thing. So really, um, no matter what degree you're actually running and doing life, I think that playfulness can be a core value, but I think it's just something that you got to state and that you really got to make a part of your schedule. Number three, pray. Yeah, you're like, yeah, no duh. Like if you're going to be in ministry, of course you got to pray. But my point here is that you would actually create space for you and the Lord to kind of like get away. I think that ministers should create environments for prayer outside of their work and ministry environments. Meaning that I don't think that prayer should just be another religious discipline or this box that you have to check off that's part of your morning routine. I think that there's nothing wrong with having a discipline of prayer, but I think that ministers have to fight the temptation and that bent inside of them where prayer can just become this kind of this religious, tedious act. It's kind of like, imagine if you, you know, I mean, the last thing that you want for a date night to become is a duty. You know what I'm saying? And for a lot of Christians, prayer is just a matter of duty. And for a lot of pastors and ministry leaders, um, prayer is just something that happens more out of a place of tradition instead of flowing from a place of intimacy. And unfortunately, the fruit of our ministry um, oftentimes comes, becomes very works-based and, um, and, and anti-grace um, because everything that we're doing, it's not necessarily flowing out of a place of relationship and covenant intimacy. It's flowing just out of a place of our job description responsibilities. So for this reason, I think that our third P should be to pray, that we create space for just us and the Lord. Like Jesus would do, like Jesus would just like disappear all the time, all right? Like he'd just like get away with his father. And I think that you need to have like these date moments these these moments when you can just kind of get away with the Father and He can just kind of like talk to you and you can just kind of talk to Him. You got these moments when you're not doing any talking, you're just listening. These moments when you're just able to breathe and kind of catch up with, with the Lord. Um, and so that could be, you know, um, at the park, it could be, you know, just 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 in front of a lake. It could be out in the woods. It can be just just in that in that kind of place that you wouldn't normally have the time to kind of go and be, but that you would just create that that spot on your calendar, on your schedule, and you can kind of just get away with the Lord and just kind of rest and and be with your Father. I think that's so important. Just if we want to avoid ministry suicide and plan to be around a while. The fourth P is ponder and you're like ponder what does that mean um i think that for a lot of leaders change almost seems impossible that for a lot of leaders um within the business world within the church world um that a lot of leaders just feel like they're kind of treading water right like they're just trying to kind of survive and certainly the statistics would back that up at least within the church world that the majority of pastors are literally treading water just trying to to, to stay at net zero, just trying to stay above the line, right? And so then um, then what chance do we have to actually fulfill the Great Commission? Like what chance do we have as the church to actually get ahead and begin discipling nations? And I think that if we're truly going to be relevant on the face of the earth, then we've got to break out of a survival mentality and we've got to break into a thriving mentality, which means that we have, we've got to actually begin dreaming Again, so when I say ponder, what I mean is that we've got to begin creating dream time, ponder time, reflection time. That moment when we actually begin daydreaming, thinking about the future, 
And um, and here's here's a here's a business um, uh, concept that's been thrown out a lot recently. I don't know if it's coming from Elon Musk or 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 where 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 it's coming from. The idea is to essentially to to ten times your business, right? So scale your business up by ten times. Now imagine that's going to happen in five years from now, right? So imagine your business, your church, your organization. Um, your home group is 10 times larger than it is right now. And that was going to be inevitable, right? That was going to happen in, let's just say, three years, right? What kind of structure, what kind of systems, what what kind of infrastructure would you have to have in place in order for that to still uh, remain healthy so that the growth doesn't kill that 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 um, that amazing dynamic that makes your ministry incredible, right? So what kind of infrastructure would need to take place now? Start 10 times larger and work your way backwards, right? Like uh, look at the infrastructure needed to to con- to be able to maintain um, the size of that dynamic and reverse engineer that and pull that into the present. Now go through that and attach your goals and timelines. Essentially, that's the process of dreaming. That's the, that's the process of looking into the future to look at what could be and actually look at what should be and to realize, you know, a lot of times that churches that are vibrant and they're growing and they're relevant and, and God's blessing is all over it. Sometimes when you ask those kind of churches like, hey, what are you doing? And they're like, we're not doing anything. We're just doing our thing and God's blessing. It's just because of God's grace. Well, sure, there's a certain amount of truth to that. But unfortunately, when you hear that, you're like, well, what about us? Does that mean that God's not blessing us, that that God, that there's no grace on what we're doing? Like we're shrinking. Does that mean that we're not in God's grace, right? So I don't think that it's fair to look at your at growth and blessing and just say that that's grace because um, the fruitfulness and favor comes on those who are being faithful with the little. And I think that there are principles that are that, that can be duplicated from those who are being faithful with the little. It's really, um, all of this usually comes back to some sort of level of stewardship. Like how are you stewarding that which God has given you? Because if you've buried your treasure, most likely the Lord is not actually adding to it. So a lot of us, we actually blame the lack of growth or the shrinking or the or a lot of us actually blame that on the Lord and we're standing around kind of waiting for God to multiply something or for God to bless something when God's actually looking to us saying, hey, I've given you a plot of soil, I've given you the seed, I've given you the tools, but you got to work the ground, you got to plant, right? You can't just wait for the rain and the sun and the in the in the dynamics of nature to do all of the actual work for you because that just that just won't that just won't happen, right? So I think that it's really really important that we create that pondering time, that that dream time, and that we take actual responsibility for um, for for this realm of ministry that the Lord has released to you. Most likely, if you're if you are working, most likely if if you have any sort of paycheck, then you have a job title, and with that title is a job description, and with that job description is a list of duties and responsibilities. And as you fulfill those things, and there's the opportunity for upgrade, there's opportunity to step into more favor, there's the opportunity to step into a greater level of commitment. And with that comes a greater level of responsibility and authority, right? And the same is true within 
the kingdom of God. That if you're in this place where you're stuck, you kind of need to go back to your title. You kind of need to go back to your function. You kind of need to go back to um, your your duties and your responsibilities. You're, look, we're not we're not we're not justified. Um, we're not justified based off of our performance. We're not saved based off of what we do for the Lord. This whole thing isn't about duty, duty in order to earn forgiveness. By no means. However, at the same time, faith without works is dead. And for a lot of us, um, there's very little growth because, well, we're just not working. We're not working very smart. And for some of us, we're working really, really hard, but we're doing the same thing over and over and over again, expecting different results. And that's just not wise. So create that ponder time, create that dream time. And you may need to get away, right? You may need to go for a jog. You may need to go on a vacation, but you need to kind of create space so that you can actually begin creating again. And the last P, so we have pace, play, pray, ponder. And the last P is practice. You say practice, practice what? Well, practice boundaries. And I'm going to give you five F's that you can kind of hold yourself accountable when it comes to practicing boundaries. Now, for a lot of ministers, they, they don't they they kind of understand the concept of what a boundary is. But man, it makes no difference whether you are in um, church ministry or you're in business ministry or you're in media ministry or you're in education or finance ministry or whatever else. But I'll, when it comes to boundaries, just a lot of people aren't necessarily um, practicing them. But this is especially true when it comes to the kingdom of God, when it comes to um, church ministry. So the five F's are family, fitness, faith, finances, and fun. I think it's so important that we are accountable in each of these five. Look, you're getting five P's and five F's. Hopefully you're going to remember all this stuff. Um, but when it comes to family, for example, uh, I think it's so important that um, that uh, that we have our family day, we have our family time, um, that we're being accountable for our fitness, for our diets. You know, for, for a lot of pastors, fitness and um, and just the physical realm isn't necessarily a responsibility. There used to be um, a lot of facts coming out on the age that pastors die. And it was really, it was like way, 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 way too young. And they blamed stress. Um, but it wasn't just stress. It was just, it was just the lifestyle of a pastor. A lot of coffee, a lot of going out to eat, not a lot of exercise. Like who's got time for exercise, right? And so uh, we need to have boundaries around the physical, around our fitness, okay? The third area is faith, that we have really good boundaries with our faith so that we prioritize our walk with the Lord and that this whole thing just isn't just a job. It's not just a job description, um, but that there is this radical, intimate dynamic between us and the Lord. Um, finances, you know, for a lot of pastors, um, there aren't financial boundaries. And so when somebody in the church um, uh, is in need, um, it's it's oftentimes the pastor that gives a bunch of their own personal finances to help the person out. There's 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 a lot of problems with that. First of all, um, that when that's happening all the time, essentially it's the family that kind of gets robbed in one degree in order to help uh, help all these different people out. Um, but not only that, um, but it actually robs the person of the opportunity of of seeing Jesus as Savior. You see, a lot of people view their pastor as their Savior or their church 
as their savior. Now, I believe that every church, that every not you know, um, Bible-based nonprofit should have a generosity ethic so that they are taking care of the needs of the poor, the widows, and the orphans within their own community, okay? So if you're going to be a church, then you've got to be given back, right, to the poor, the widow, and the orphan, especially within your own church community. But that needs to be a system within the church that's overseen by some sort of board, by some sort of presbytery, so that that burden doesn't fall on the senior pastor. I can't imagine if it was my responsibility as a senior pastor to take care of everybody with need out of my own personal finances, that would be the most unfair thing to my wife and children. Um, uh, but however, that is the case for many, uh, for many, many uh, pastors. So you need to have financial boundaries. And then the last area is fun. You need to have fun boundaries. And we've already hit on this. So I'm not going to take, I'm not going to take a bunch more time. I'm talking about that. When it comes to boundaries, another area that many people don't, don't really think about are social boundaries. And I say social boundaries, I'm actually talking about everything from social media um, to email um, to cell phone uh, so that we have these times when we don't answer the phone. We have these times when we don't check our email. We have these times when we're not um, staying up to date on our social on our social email. Um, and so I think that we've got to have these conversations. We've got to be accountable. We've got to have people that are calling us uh, uh, on our stuff uh, and asking us how we're doing in these areas. Um, but um, these are just some little ways that I think that we can model um, healthy, inspiring ministries. Pace yourself. You're in this for the long run, okay? Don't burn out. You're not just going to be in ministry for three years. You're not just going to be on the earth for three years. But really, really pace yourself so that you can be around a good 20, 30, 40 years running well, okay? Number two, play more. Um, the minute that ministry becomes a burden and that you stop having fun, um, then you will stop truthfully representing the reality of who Jesus really is on the earth. And instead, you'll actually be representing your own personal angst and um, and personal, you know, and there could be some good stuff, some good values as well. But I think that we need to stay refreshed, okay? And that there needs to be a playfulness, a spontaneity to ministry. I think that that's what Jesus modeled. Number three, pray. And that means that you're creating space for just you and the Lord outside of your work and ministry dynamic to create that intimacy, to create that bond by which um, uh, uh, ministry will, will organically flow um, from that love tank. Um, four, ponder. Create that dream time, um, that ponder time looking into the future and reverse engineering into the present. Number five, practice boundaries. And I give you the five F's, fitness, family, faith, finances, and fun. So that's what I have for you. I hope this has been practical. I hope this has been spiritual. I hope I gave you some stuff that you can plug in. Just so you know, uh, ministry doesn't have to be a burden. It can be a lot of fun. It can be very, very productive. Um, and, and, uh, and I think the biggest thing is that you pray and obey that you do what the Lord is calling for you to do, that your, your work is worship unto the Lord and not just some sort of performance driven list of task driven duties where you're trying to earn value and trying to be affirmed and trying to get a brownie points with a person because it's so important that you're not working for a person or the approval of a person, but that all your work is worship unto the Lord in order to really run with that excellence, distinctiveness, and creativity, okay? 
Um, and then last but not least, you know, if you're praying and obeying, if you're really um, uh, living your scroll, you're living your role, you're staying in your lane, then I think that you are going to live an inspirational leadership life that's going to inspire the next generation to want to pursue ministry within a business or church dynamic, with an educational entertainment dynamic, whatever sphere or role uh, within society, but that we will be going out, we'll be bringing um, uh, uh, that that kingdom of God to earth, that his kingdom would come, his will would be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we'd have a whole lot of fun doing it. Guys, thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for being a part of this. Let me know if um, if this hit home, if the if the if the if the tires hit the road for you on this one. Uh, send me an email, tweet me, Facebook me, uh, a billion ways to actually get a hold of me. But please, please do it. Let me know what you think. Know that I'm cheering you on, that I'm praying for you. Um, and also do me a fave and uh, hit me up with a uh, with a ranking and a review on this episode at iTunes. Quickest way to get there is just go to thedarrenshow.com. That'll take you to my iTunes page. Give me a ranking and a review. I would appreciate that. I love you. All right, guys, peace out.